0: Alright, here we go. So today we welcome taxidermist Ben Balos and his business partner Josh from Legacy Mountain Taxidermy in to talk taxidermy. Ben McDonald was supposed to come in here to talk fishing, but he had some things come up, so Ben filled in for him and did a great job. So I think you guys are going to like it. So without further ado, please give it up for our friends Josh and Ben Balos from Legacy Mountain Taxidermy.
1: Sort of, he's learning the nuts and bolts of the industry, but Josh has a, a different skill set from the business aspect of it. Gotcha. So he's the guy that's behind me that makes me a success gotcha. with what I do. I'm the taxidermist. I've been doing this for 17 years now as a hobby. I've done it full time for other taxidermists in the past, and uh, so now we're we're putting our skill sets together to create a successful team with what we're doing with Legacy Mountain Taxidermy. Legacy, I like that name too, man. Yes. But we were checking out your
0: website and some of the work you guys have done or you've done, dude, it's really, really good.
1: Thank you. And you do a lot
0: of stuff. We noticed that, you know, like uh, there's other taxidermists in the area. One of them right down the road from you that you do a lot of stuff that they don't do. Yeah. As far as like fish,
1: birds. Fish, birds, migratory birds. Um, A lot of taxidermists don't want to deal with all the variety of stuff, but I like the challenge of it and um this creates a more well-rounded understanding of taxidermy.
0: Why um, why do you think they don't like to mess with it? Just
1: Well, it can be complicated. Uh if you if you learn a specific skill set and you're good at it, uh, I don't There's a several reasons why taxidermists only do deer heads or only do a specific item. Um, but uh I think a big one is they just get too busy with too much work. Um, another thing is like with migratory birds, it's more complicated. You have to keep extra paperwork. Um, you need to be Mm -hmm. federally licensed as well as state licensed. So there's, uh, there's, I'm sure a multitude of reasons why people don't offer all the services. Just out of curiosity, how often do you get, uh, audited, I
0: guess would be the right word or inspected?
1: I think it's probably normal for them to come once a year if they don't have any other reason to. They, it's never announced when they'll come, the DNR, the, to right. do the checks and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, the DNR will come by, they'll check the shop and make sure your paperwork's in order and that everything lines up right. And, um, that's just normal procedure for taxidermist. And, um, as long as there's no issues and they don't have reasons to come, they pretty much leave you alone and, and, uh, and, uh, work with you and respect you.
2: Right. But, you right. Now with, uh, with migratory bird, how does that work? Cause I had, uh, I don't know, there's three of us that went on a goose hunt out in Missouri, but you don't get tags or anything for that. I mean, you, you get a license and you take out the taxidermist. Do you got to fill stuff out?
1: Yeah, uh, I believe the before transporting your birds, I think you're supposed to have tags filled out, um, or at least all of your information with those birds, um, but when you come to the shop, if a customer brings me a bird, I fill out, uh, my, my state paperwork and, and tag number. And I also fill out a federal migratory bird tag. So it's a identification tag that stays with that bird throughout the whole, um, taxidermy process. And when it's done, the customer comes and picks it up. Uh, there's, uh, this, the information is there that you need for the bird. Okay. But I believe before traveling, with birds like that, with migratory birds, I believe legally you're supposed to have that document if documentation they're, if they're with whole. them. If whole. Yes. Because I know when we brought
2: them back, we did, like, you just breast them out and then your license is good enough, but that's for, I mean, it was a snow goose hunt, so there was yeah, no limit, and yeah. as long as you had your license with you, you're good to go. But they couldn't, they had to have one wing, but couldn't be whole, I believe
3: yeah so i I did a hunt out in north dakota last year okay. and uh, the the transportation elements um, and processing you're mentioning like leaving a wing on so they're yeah. generally you know species specific as to how you can transport a bird um you know sometimes it's, it's acceptable if you're transporting a whole bird that hasn't been processed at all it has to be frozen based on bag limits and things so that's considered a uh um a processed bird if the whole thing is frozen gotcha um, so it yeah it depends on the state but then you know all the paperwork that we have and have to maintain for federal records um will be associated with that that specific license that they had so yeah. if it was so if, for instance if it was a a bird that was um that was not uh, not in that license we would look at that and say okay well you got it in october you know, you know, and they might say, oh, no, I was, you yeah, and so they might, might correct that and, and, uh, gotcha to, to maintain it. You know. Do you guys have any issues as far as like, besides birds,
0: uh, big gang coming in from other states or is it just bring the tag and Do you uh, guys get many of those?
1: Yeah. Uh, with deer, they're not allowed to be brought across the state line unless they've been skinned and the brain, basically the brain matter removed from the skull. Um, that's for Oof. any deer species coming into the state of Michigan, Oof. period. No spinal fluid, no brain matter. Correct. Correct.
0: If And for Correct. those that don't know, I mean, it's, you cut a, I, I usually cut a hole
1: in the back. I mean, you can see on all the back of these skulls Yep, and just scoop it out, but it's not easy. I, no, I don't think so. it's not easy. And by the time most people find someone willing to skin out the deer, they're most likely going to stick with that. It's It's most likely another taxidermist, you know, and, uh. They'll probably stick with that taxidermist in another state rather than bring the deer across state lines.
0: I guess in my head I was picturing more more along the lines of somebody's out in the mountains capes it out themselves and then brings it to you. But yeah, oh, I, yeah, I, yeah I, what you're saying is if that's what I was wondering, you know, 'cause if I feel like a lot of those animals, you know, like the elk, mule deer and stuff, like you guys could probably do and do a good job, but I feel like those taxidermists
1: out there do that all the time. Yeah. You know? and, and sometimes you'll get people that know what they're doing with skinning deer and removing the skull cap and getting the brain matter out and all that stuff. But, uh, as long as the deer is processed and in that condition, we can accept it from across the state line. Right. Um, as far as people caping their own animals, (laughs) please don't. (laughs) (laughs) There's like, if we're going to do the work and you shoot a deer locally, we are more than willing to cape that deer out with, uh, with what we do uh sometimes a lot of times people do bring us deer that have been caped out either by a processor and a lot of processors know what they're doing so that's uh not an issue sometimes you get someone that's new to hunting and they shoot a deer and they don't know how to cape it but their buddy does kind of sorta and then we have to look at the cape and see if it's a cape we can use or if we're gonna have to find a replacement for it sometimes we have to do that sometimes we can repair them people don't always know where to make the cuts on a deer but um but yeah we work with people and make sure we get them a nice trophy in the end yeah you said repairs you did a hell of a job on um so my fiance
0: Allie uh got her dad from I don't even remember where she bought it and it was like some some dude's garage I think it was shoot shooty actually uh bought this bear rug wanted to give it to her dad yep. for Christmas and it was like a last minute thing I got a hold of Ben um, I forgot who gave me your number, as a matter of fact, but I'm glad I got a hold of you. I mean, it's like, yeah, I'll take care of it. Uh, and it was great price. And you got it. And it was like, what, a th- a th- three weeks before Christmas? And you're like, I think I could get it done. Yeah. And the yeah. teeth were all busted. The fur looked like hell. It was just a mess. And you did a great job, dude, and got it done on time, which was awesome. So, yeah.
1: How, how many repairs do you do like that on average, you think? I'm I'm trying I'm starting to do less repairs like that and focus more on on uh, people's personal trophies that are uh, newer you know but uh, what's the worst one you've had come in that you've had to fix don't say our bear goodness ah other than your bear right there's, I've I've done so many repairs throughout the years I've done I, I, there's years ago I did a deer that was uh, hit by a school bus.
3: Ooh. So,
1: and it needed a new cape, so there's no repair there. But the it was missing half of the rack on one side, and I re-sculpted all that in place with with the uh, various tools. But So you recreated it like they couldn't yeah, find I, the one re- side? Yeah, well, the, the one side was just completely obliterated, and I re-sculpted oh, it, uh, basically did a recreation um, of the other antlers to match the other side so that's probably i don't know i've done a lot of different repairs i've had deer where people's dogs chewed the noses off of them uh all kinds of stuff there was one repair i wasn't able to to fix because someone's dog literally ate 90 percent of the fish and uh, (laughs) we just had to do a different fish (laughs) (laughs) but uh it's interesting what you see out there so speaking of fish, so how, how do you guys go about
0: doing most years? Do you, uh, is it, is it, you know the yeah, terms. That's,
2: I saw you do skin mounts and replicas. Yes. I have, yeah. how do you do a skin mount? Do you actually skin the whole thing and take the head and all that with it or?
1: Oh yes. Yep. Yeah. So there's skin mount fish and what's very popular in the fish taxidermy world today is, is uh replica fish and we offer services on both. For a skin mount fish, um, so you, you're you're skinning the fish, you're you're cleaning it, you're fleshing it, and then you're carving a body for it, remounting it, and why? Well, and you tan it, of course. But and then once you get it all mounted and and all, um, a fish actually loses all of its color in the process, and you have to repaint. Um, all the scales on the fish and get that color back in there. Okay,
2: so you use the skin and everything, but you do have to repaint them. Oh I, yes, yeah. I always wondered how they kept color on that. Like it dies and it goes away within a half hour if oh, you, you throw it in a cooler.
0: Yeah. <laughs> My mic was still down, especially like a trout. I've noticed. Oh like, yeah. I don't know if it's any faster or it's just because they look so much prettier, and then they just seem to go to shit quicker. But it just seems like I don't know. It's all like. 10 minutes, ten fifteen
1: 15 minutes, they start to get those weird splotches on them. Yeah, fish lose their color really fast. I always tell people if they want a, a nice fish trophy, a, a, a replica of their fish, or even their skin mount fish, if they want it to match like what it was when they caught it, everyone's got smartphones these days, take, so take picture. pictures of it. Uh, take take a, a nice general side view, um, some close-up photos of any details that you like in it that you want to see in the mount, make sure you get pictures of that and, and, uh, bring those pictures with you when you drop your fish off. Nice.
3: And so we I want to talk a little bit about, uh, preservation, like from the field, uh, to us when it comes to fish, like what's the ideal scenario if someone catches so the trophy if, and they want
1: to bring it in? Yes. Yeah, so if you catch that once a lifetime fish you want to have preserved, the best thing to do is to wrap it in a wet towel and then. Wrap that in a plastic bag, like a trash bag or something, and tape the end shuts to keep air out. Place it flat on a board and duct tape it to the board. Um, that was That's the best way to store a fish in the freezer. And it, the board does two things. It protects the fins from breaking, and it protects the fish from snapping. And The wet towel keeps it from getting freezer burnt and dried out. And, of course, sealing it in plastic that keeps the air out, which is what causes freezer burn. Um, Yeah, and then just bring it to your taxidermist as quick as you can. Do you need the whole fish to do a replica, or can you do that just off measurements and pictures? Replicas, I will just do off of measurements and pictures. If people record, um, so they get their pictures, they record the length of their fish, the girth of their fish and the weight of their fish those are three things that can really help a taxidermist okay. with getting an accurate replica
0: if i you know, say if by chance they forgot to get one or more of them things can you take the other things and just kind of make it work
1: oh yeah i did one yes i did one fish for a customer who caught a large bass as a largemouth, and um he didn't he caught it he released it he got one quick picture of it he never recorded the weight or measurements but what we did was we measured, um, based on the photograph he had, we measured the length of his arm next to the length of the fish and were able to come up with something that was very close to what he actually caught. Um, and, yeah, yeah, it, uh, it worked out really well that way. But right. ideally, you want to have all that information. Right.
0: I just asked because that's definitely – what that guy did is definitely something I would do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forget well, to take all the steps. Well, that's also
2: important. Like, I'd go to Canada – like pre-COVID, I went every year, but now it's kind of hard to get in. And when you're up there, back in the bush, and I might not have a tape measure on me, I might not yeah. have a phone. I it's it's one of those where right. you might forget some stuff, and you know, if I gotta bring the fish
0: home, that's kind of a pain in
2: the ass to wrap it up and get it in a freezer on a board.
0: But yeah, what's what's your advice for somebody like I mentioned before, you know, that's out west, mountains, shoots a bear, uh, a elk, or or a deer. Um, And they're trying to cape it out themselves.
1: Do you got any wise words for those guys? Uh, Do your research in advance. Uh, I would say YouTube is a really good resource for learning how to skin deer, cape deer, Mm -hmm. black bear. A lot of different people put good videos out in recent years on how to do that stuff. So do that that research in advance before going out there. Maybe even talk to your taxidermist and uh, ask your taxidermist how you would like to have it. Or how he would like to receive it.
3: That's a great point. Yeah. Um, if you have a taxidermist lined up uh, prior to a trip, meeting with them and talking about field care, especially if it's a species that you've never dealt with before, like a, a mm-hmm. bear, for instance, if you're going on a, you know, once in a lifetime hunt out, out west, do all that beforehand. Uh, you know, if uh, if you intend to have something have something done and arrange shipping, you know, if, if it's something that's, you know, you're, you're on a multi-species hunt um arrange that and understand exactly what that process should be before you go into it just out of curiosity cuz i have not looked into this at all
0: uh we're going on another bear trip in Mon- montana this spring <clears throat> and i'm actually buying a tag this time but the only we're flying out there so i can't exactly take the meat and the hide home i'm going to have to ship it uh mm-hmm. phew, what, what's like the ballpark for having something like that shipped do you think yeah well, it I depends
3: so it's... we've we've had you know, all shippers are a little bit different, but we recently had a customer send in an alligator from Florida. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So it's exciting to get in some reptiles. Yeah. Um, but uh, again, doing your research beforehand, you know, what your location is, what the you know, drop off, if you need to get dry ice, depending on if it's going to be a meat product um, and, and researching that. And then state specific guidelines um, for shipping and uh, tagging and all that is, is important too.
0: Yeah. I get imagine them. it can't be cheap. Have you looked into that at all when you guys were out in Idaho or anything?
2: No, because we – I mean, I drive everywhere, so I don't really worry about shipping it back via UPS or anything like that. You know, from the Midwest, I don't like to fly. Right.
0: Yeah, we don't either, but, man, that's – you know, where we're going to Montana. It's like 26-hour drive. Sure. Yeah, the that's other that's thing, no fun,
1: dude. The, the other thing that's important with shipping wild game from other states, like the meat and the hide, is you don't want it uh, – you're not looking for it in economy shipping. You're looking for overnight stuff. Uh, yeah. You want to be shipped yeah. as quick as you can. Right. But uh, if you go with a good outfitter, they'll freeze it before shipping it, and they'll put uh, they'll put it in a styrofoam cooler that's in a box that's sealed really well, and they'll ship it that way. So by the time it arrives, like this alligator, for instance, once it arrived from Florida, everything was still frozen inside that. Gotcha. So so how would you get into this, dude? years ago, uh, when I was a kid getting into hunting, I started daydreaming about shooting that big buck, you know, and yeah. like, if I get a big buck, I'll get it taxidermy, like my grandpa did with his deer, you know, and um, looked into what it cost at the time. And it's like, oh man, I got to figure out how to do that myself. So <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of where it all started. Uh, and gradually over the years, just the love of the outdoors and the love of the animals that surround us, you know, is just I just fascinated by it. And no matter which direction I went in life, I always always was dabbling in taxidermy and uh taking lessons and researching it, learning more. And uh that's brought brought me to where I am today. What was the
0: first one you did? Uh or tried, attempted.
1: It was a doe. A doe head for a friend of mine that shot one. So <laughs> white tailed your doe.
0: Yeah, how did. I mean you don't want to say it turned out bad, but I mean, compared to what you're doing now, I'm sure it came a long way. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I lost the pictures of it a long time ago, and I still don't regret losing those pictures. <laughs> but It's uh, yeah. a good one to practice on, though, with dough. I mean, it's good to remember where you started, you know, And uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, I feel like you
0: do, you... do you feel like you're still learning stuff as you go? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: always trying to stay on the cutting edge of the industry. Yeah, keep keep learning new stuff. There's all these new products, new technologies coming out. Um, it's an industry you definitely want to stay on on top of the game.
0: What's uh What's your turnaround
3: right now? Um, so that's one big element in the taxidermy world that uh, a lot of people find great frustration with right is turn around and and if you haven't experienced it you know somebody who has had a nightmare (laughs) experience right you shoot this awesome buck and you're all excited and you're telling all your friends and yeah i'm gonna have it mounted and the next year comes around and you're getting out hunting season calling the taxidermist hey man where's my deer right um one year two year and then you have those nightmare situations where guy's out of business. Maybe he was doing it on the side, did great work, but just couldn't manage the business. And so with Legacy Mountain, uh, that's one of our, our goals is, is to really maintain a, a good schedule on, on time returns and understand the expectation of the customer. Um, for instance, with your bear, he's like, mm-hmm. hey, this is important at this time. Is it something you can do? And uh, to maintain our business in such a way that we can give an answer for that, you know, case specific um and uh but turnaround times it depends we try to batch things so like right now we're in a lot of fish last month we were in a lot of birds and uh and you know when the shop is set up um for birds specifically painting you know fish and all of our tans a lot of those chemicals and things um we're going to use we you know maintaining them in batches um and like last year deer season it was it was deer you know we're, we're only right. doing white tail um and uh and that works out well with within seasons, so we we try to keep things in those seasons, you know, if you're bringing a fish, hopefully that fish gets back to you before deer season right so right right and i and I imagine
0: stuff like you know the fish and birds being smaller, i mean there's still a lot that goes into it, but I'm sure the turtle is a little bit quicker on those things, right
1: no, <laughs> no, <laughs> they're all i I spend a lot of time putting a lot of detail into everything I do. That's one thing that's very different about what I do. Like, like I probably spend too much time on some of the stuff I do, but I just rather it have a, a nicer product in the end. Oh, do you guys
0: have a, I mean, I don't mean to interrupt you, but do you guys have like a
1: Facebook or something that or
0: besides your website?
1: Yes, we have Legacy Mountain Taxidermy on Facebook. It's on our, and we have our website and we also have Instagram.
0: Nice. Yeah, because you guys should definitely look through those. Those are, That's some really nice work in there. You do a really nice job. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Uh, Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So on fish, what's the largest fish that you've gotten in this year? Uh, Just under six foot. It's a lake sturgeon. It's the big project I'm working on right now in the shop amongst tons of other ones. But uh, doing a a replica of a lake sturgeon, Um, it's a highly customized one as well. It's going to be uh, viewed from three hundred sixty degrees, so it's uh, not just a front side paint. It's the whole fish painted and displayed. It's going to be in a nice display case with a nice habitat, uh, like a river bottom habitat. And um, yeah, that'll we'll get some pictures of that on the website and on our social media in the near future.
0: Yeah, you sent me some of the progress photos. Those nah, looks nah, like nah. It. it looks pretty cool, man. Where was that out of?
1: Uh, I don't remember which river it was caught in. But uh, I don't think I should disclose where my customers get there. Oh no, absolutely! I I I was more or less just curious if it was like (laughs) a local
0: fish. It was was was
3: a Michigan caught fish.
1: Cool. Yeah, that's awesome, man.
0: Those things are so cool. And it was
3: a a tagged fish, so you knew the exact age and history of it. So that was that was really
0: neat. That's cool, man. It's like you know, like shooting a banded goose, only a lot cooler. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) that's a rare experience. Yeah. Um. So you do a lot of trapping too?
1: Yes. Uh, I like. Uh, I wouldn't say I do a lot of trapping every year. I like to trap beavers. Um, as a kid, I used to trap muskrat and mink and a few other critters, you know. But um, uh, I like to trap beaver. I like to eat them, and I it's an easy thing to do in the outdoors with my kids. I always take my kids out with me to check the trap line, and they love it.
0: Yeah, I've never trapped beaver. I've, I
1: want to. I've
0: just had never. Nobody's ever like showed me how to how to set anything up. So, what are you using? Just the trying. three three thirties.
1: Uh I believe so. I believe or, that's what yeah, I have uh, the, there. Yep.
0: Yeah. I've set a couple two twenties and that scared the crap right out of me. So Yeah, you <laughs> want to
1: set the big ones for beavers and um they're not hard to trap once you figure out where they are. The mm-hmm. half the battle is just locating them. But um and I'm no expert on it, but uh, it's just I don't think they're hard to trap. But um And the beaver is delicious.
0: I remember oh, I texted you in the middle of trapping season because you were posting all those beaver pictures i'm like hey i don't know what you're doing with the carcass but uh yeah. not everyone eats them but i like to eat them it's good meat oh
1: it really is it tastes it's like comparable to, to beef yeah 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 nice, i dark, would say meat. in on those those 330 converse i would say you could probably break your hand in those traps a 330 I'd, yeah i've caught my hand in it twice <sighs> once once wearing a rubber glove and once with nothing <laughs> and it's and it's when it's frigid temperatures and everything, so it's oh, it hurts just, ten
0: times as bad. Yeah, I've I've gotten my hand caught one time and do on one ten. Yeah, that was enough for me, man. And that's not even that bad. Whenever so I'm I just set, a big sissy. <laughs>
1: whenever I set my traps, I always have someone else with me that can just for safe, Just for safety, because you can't get case. that off yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's a team sport. Yeah, it snaps down, just like
2: oh well, I'm not gonna take the glove off. We're just gonna go to the hospital and hope there's no blood in there. <laughs> No, so,
1: no, you just oh, you got to get that trap off. You yeah. Just grimace, get the trap off, look at your hand and squeeze your fingers You're like, yeah, we're good. Keep going.
0: <laughs> so, uh, you you eaten beaver, hey. but have you ever tried muskrat?
1: I have not.
2: Before we leave the beaver subject, <laughs> I've had like I've had beaver roast. Yeah.
1: Yep. Do you eat the tail? No, I've never I know mountain men back in the 1800s did it, but they were trying to survive, and I'm not Get necessarily It was the fat that, that they, were yes, they were after It's Yes, they were after Because that's fat. really all that's under there, is just oh, like a grisly yeah. fat. That's why I was curious.
0: Gelatinous. I, I don't know anybody that eats a beaver tail. Or if there's and, and, anything you can do I, with and it. And plus, when you when we catch them desperate. around here, the season that you want to catch beavers in, right, is... Because, I mean, it opens in what?
1: I want to say February, but well, it's probably earlier than that. I think it
0: opens really earlier than that, but I, I feel like it's hard to catch them before that right because don't you use a lot like the ice and stuff I don't know I never did it but. I
1: like using the ice as a guide because what the beavers will keep their runs open mm-hmm. and uh, they'll keep the ice thawed out where they travel usually I trap around feed piles around their lodges um, but like you'll see their paths in the water it's like a like a trail and uh, where the ice is thawed out that's where you want to set your traps because that's where they're always gonna be coming through um, I, there's a lot of good YouTubes out there, some guys out in Montana and whatnot that show right. how to trap beavers, but uh, I always put a dive stick or dive log above my trap. So, so the, yeah, the idea is when the beaver's swimming along the surface, he comes to this log and just like, oh, I'll just duck under this real quick. And when he ducks under, he sticks his head right in the trap.
0: Right. Well, <clears throat> we were just talking about the tails though, because around here it's late season and I feel like their tails are super thin because there's not much fat, Right. Like their, their tails are usually a lot thicker in the fall.
1: Yeah. They put on weight. Right. So I feel like
0: if you were to open up a tail around here in February, it wouldn't, there wouldn't be a whole lot there anyway. Right.
1: Uh, I don't know. I've caught some big beavers in February. Like the biggest ones I've caught were in February. Um, I've had the most success and, um,
3: they store a lot of food January, for the winter January, in, February, but in yeah. their dens you know so they, they stay pretty fat through through the winter you totally. know especially if it's an established den mm-hmm. with uh with a pair like a working pair and and you know young around they usually usually have them stacked pretty deep
1: yeah well th- their food isn't necessarily in their dens it's uh feed piles next to their dens or close to their ten dens and what it is is uh it, it looks like a pile of saplings and branches out in the middle of the swamp or edge of a swamp and that's what they feed off of throughout the winter months. Yeah cuz they're getting like the the bark
0: is really what they're eating, yeah. right? That's where all the nutrients are at. Yep. Right. So yeah, back on the muskrat thing. So we had a muskrat problem at the farm and uh oh. we were kind of trying to hunt them and, or trap them both really. And uh just I never got around to eating one, but I was always curious cuz you know, beaver are so good. It's like the Dude. same thing just a miniature version, they right?
1: It smells so bad. Well, they are called they musk, do. musk rats, <laughs> right? Think? Yeah. so that's I don't know I Boy, am curious that. to try it sometime it's I like would think it'd be a groundhog man you, you go to skin it and you're just like that, that's,
0: a, that's a fact there was a there was a short period of time where I had an obsession with I wanted to eat a groundhog I want to eat a whistle pig I had somebody give me one that they killed and I'm like okay cool took it home went to go skin it out man and it's just like this thing's nasty <laughs> <laughs> like, this is this I've, thing is gross I've eaten several okay.
1: groundhogs are they good? I think they are. It's it depends. If you get a really big old one, they're greasy. It's not very good. But uh, if they're smaller, a little bit younger, well, how do you cook if,
0: if they're greasy, I feel like they'd be well, good to like throw in the smoker.
1: I Oof. just cook everything in a crock pot. Just <laughs> gotcha.
0: <laughs> no, 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 good it's potatoes, carrots, onions. Throw it all in there with some beef broth. <laughs> so is there? I mean, do you got to cut out the glands and stuff, or do you,
1: I don't even know where they'd be? I guess in the back legs. Like. Uh, so Whenever you cook wild game, like for beaver, for instance, I always cut the fat off and remove the glands and, and uh, well, the castor glands from a beaver. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you sell those or? I've not, but there's more value in those than there's yeah. the uh, pelts these days. How about the pelts? Do you sell them or you keep them for yourself? I or? just keep them. They're yeah. they're not worth much to sell anymore. Unfortunately, I think they're only worth five or eight bucks a pelt. Last I Isn't that I sad? Isn't that sad? And beavers, like some good stuff, man.
0: Yeah, waterproof. They, they make warm. a lot of hats out of that. Don't Stetson, they? Stetson still uses no. beaver, uh, yeah. beaver. What do they call it when they shave it? Felt, felt. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know where you're Get your mind out of the gutter. Um, I didn't say
2: anything. <laughs> I know.
0: Um, so it, crock pot. So it, like, what's what's a, is it comparable to like beaver or is it more like a whitish meat?
1: No, oh, it's more like chicken. It's like, like more like, like a
0: like a porky chickeny. Groundhog?
1: It's yeah, a, it's more like squirrel. It's yeah, like a big hmm. giant squirrel. See, That's the way I, I would describe it. it. <laughs> I knew it. That's a,
0: that. That's what got me on that because I, I was uh, witnessing on multiple occasions groundhogs eating, like climbing mulberry trees and eating the yeah. mulberries. And I'm like,
3: they're good stuff. That's oh, what I'm saying. I'm like, yes, if I've if seen them really... in mulberry
2: trees before too, I thought it was the weirdest thing. That right. threw me the first time I saw that. I was out bow hunting. And one climbed a tree next to me, and it's sitting there just eating. And it's like. There's a person in that tree.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's a groundhog in that tree. <laughs>
0: but it got me thinking. I'm like, well, it, you know, really, they're vegetarians. Why wouldn't they be good? You know, and they're eating berries. They're eating, yep, sweet stuff, kind of right. And it's it's got to be better than raccoon. I just can't get past the smell of the ones that I've shot. I've I heard mean, those are all. Like I haven't eaten raccoon yet either. Males, but,
3: yeah. I haven't eaten raccoon yet either. But I've heard that it's pretty tasty. How about can, you? No, I've not not that cool? yet. Josh? I've eaten raccoon, but I'm very particular as to where they were harvested because they yeah. call them trash pandas for a reason. <laughs> you know? And so it's like, I'm not going to eat a raccoon that's around anywhere around us. I mean, I kill tons of them on my farm, but oh, they, yeah. they're discarded or chicken food, you know, because uh, what goes in is, uh, you know, you, you are what you eat. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and, it's, and it's crazy because, I mean, the raccoons
0: you see like up north by like Baldwin, for instance, compared to down here, they're just scrawny skinny mangy look you know and then down here they're just fat lazy garfield looking things man
2: yeah you don't find that don't find the 50 pounders up north that'll bend a tie
0: rod when you hit it with your truck
3: (laughs) they got to work for a living up there down here they got all sorts of bad stuff to eat so Uh,
0: no doubt so uh on your website when we were looking you guys
1: uh we saw at least one euro mount um how do you guys clean your skulls that one on the website was a replica skull and those are shed antlers the customer had found. Oh, cool. And so I sculpted them onto a, a artificial skull and made a custom walnut plaque for it. Um, but as far as skulls go, a lot of taxidermists boil them, and I don't really want to go that route. We're looking to what we would do with Europeans is contract out to someone that's got beetles because the beetles is, is the best. Yep. Museum type quality you know, you, and all this. And to get. have
0: your own, it's kind of a pain in the butt, right? Because you got
3: to make sure you keep them fed well, in the off
0: season with other stuff, you know, or they die. Yeah. And, and a
3: big concern with the taxidermy work that we're doing is we don't want any bugs. We want yep. zero, we want zero True. bugs True. if possible. So so if we ever think that there's anything um, that might have any sort of bugs, maggots in it, it's getting frozen instantly. And so even bringing it in, you know, you talked about restoration work. That's a concern for us as well because yeah. a lot of times the degradation that happens to, to a mount is due to some sort of, you know, beetle, bug, um, mites and things like that that get into them. And so we bring that into our shop, then we're, we're liable, you know, to have damage to other things that are going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those beetles don't mix with taxidermy.
1: They 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 complement well with having being able to offer nice European mounts, but uh, if you have beetles in your shop and they get loose, they're going to start eating the leather off of all those mounts, and it's just not worth it. So, what we would do, we would contract. If someone brings us a deer they want to have a European, we would, we contract that out to other studios that specialize in beetles. Gotcha.
3: Yeah. Now. And, th- Go ahead. I'll say in the boiling method, I've had some disasters with that in the past. I've, <laughs> oh, I've wrecked, wrecked a couple really nice. The nose you know, falls racks. off and cracks. Yeah. Get it yeah. too hot. Mm-hmm.
0: I've boiled a couple skulls. Uh, not a fan. I don't like it I at think all. No. I think everyone's tried it, you know. <laughs> I've, I've done it a couple times. That big guy in the middle, I boiled him, and you could see nice. all the cartilage and stuff in the middle of his nose is kind of screwed up. It's no. it was crooked anyway, but uh, there's some stuff missing because you know you know how it is all that soft yeah. tissue and stuff in there getting in there with hemostats. Or uh, pliers or whatever, and you just, you're taking. I was,
1: I was over it. You're just taking chunks of bone with it, man. It's a long, tedious, nasty job, and you might as well let the bugs do the work. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where I'm at with it.
0: Now, if somebody brought you a skull, uh, do you guys do like dips? We do not. We do not offer hydro dip. And pretty anybody can really do that, but from home anyway, with some spray paint, and, you
3: know. Unless you
0: do like the fancy ones with the with the camo and whatnot, but yeah.
3: We really try to focus on the actual beauty of the creation itself, you know. I mean, God did all that work making it beautiful, and uh, we just want to preserve that.
0: That cover photo for your guys' website, the uh, The pheasant, pheasant?
1: man, does that look good. Josh
3: brought that from... North Dakota, North Dakota last year. Yeah. Wild pheasant. We're out there oh, duck nice. and goose hunting. I drew a, a tag for a swan, tundra swan, which I did not, did, I was not successful in that hunt. A tundra swan. I never yeah. heard of that. Yeah. So they they're a a wild species. They look almost identical to a domestic swan, um, but they uh, they're all black. They're they're uh, excuse me. Their head, their beak, all their features are black. There's no none of the orange. Yeah, the so black see. beak and black feet. No. So is that the difference
2: between the uh, the tundra and the trumpeter swans? Correct. Yeah. Okay. You can identify a, yeah. a, a
0: a domestic swan versus tundra. So, this is so funny that I was able to actually implement this. But uh, I read in my so we do trivia questions by the way. I haven't told you guys that yet. Cool. But uh, um, in my in my research, found out did you know that Queen Elizabeth before she died owned the rights to all the swans in England? <laughs> Not a surprise. All the trumpeter swans are wow. all hers, because apparently back in the day, well, the, the royal family does, but back in the day, uh, they used to eat them. Yeah, they were like a delicacy. Big birds. Yeah. I mean, I. So it was like they be m- a lot of meat. To, so to make it illegal for anybody else to get the swans
3: back in the day, it was just easier to make it. You know, they're ours now. If you touch it, you're stealing. That's interesting. In, in England and, and a lot of a lot of. Uh, areas managed that way, the hunting is not the same um, where the, the resource belonged to the to the crown. Um, even with, yeah. with timber and, and, and all of that, it was uh, very highly regulated and still is. Well, that's, that's how Robin Hood came to be. I think, I think we've talked about this on the podcast
0: before, um, but ro- the story of Robin Hood was always, you know, steal, steal from the rich, kid to the needy. And, you know, over time it became about money, but the original story was he was hunting the king's animals and giving the meat to the poor so they could yeah. eat. That's all I got on that. Yeah, the, reason I brought up, <laughs> the reason I
3: brought up the swan uh, is, is that pheasant, uh, we didn't go out there to hunt pheasant, but we're out there and they're just everywhere. And I said, man, let's, let's see if we can get tags. And so we were able to get upland tags. And, you know, when we were out scouting, um, we're just seeing pheasants all over the place. And so that, that bird flew in, we were out set up and it was, it was we were huffing it you know hiking in with sleds and the dog and guns and all this and and going through chisel plowed fields and we got all set up and man we did all our research and it's gonna be this beautiful morning and like all right guys shooting light hit them and uh we're waiting and nothing's happening i was like bird 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 and all of a sudden boom boom we got a pheasant down. He flew in right over the water. So nice. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> not awesome. a duck, not a duck, not a duck, <laughs> and then bam. So yeah,
0: we brought home a couple of nice ones. Yeah, it was a beautiful bird, man. I've never, yeah. I, don't, I don't, never shot a pheasant. Yeah, I, I've been to the blessed. farm. We took our Ali uh, and I took our father's out for Father's Day, excuse me, as a Father's Day present that following fall a couple years ago. But we didn't shoot, you know, but. I wish they were more around here. There's more up here than there are. You know, I grew up in the Buchanan area, South mm. South County. There's definitely we're kind of where you guys are at. There's more up here than there is down there, I feel mm-hmm. like. Not anymore, dude. You don't think so? I drive yeah. down there every day for work,
2: and I'm not going to say the road name, the one where I may have tagged a peacock. <laughs> With this truck. With my truck, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it ran out of the cornfield, oh, and I'm boy. like, that's a weird turkey. I can't stop. <laughs> That's not a turkey.
1: <laughs> Whoops. Somebody's gonna be mad. It's interesting, you mentioned peacock because I have one in my living room that I taxidermied when I was, I think, sixteen. Oh, I was gonna not, say, do you oof. do it two
2: weeks ago? Because uh, sorry about the blue paint. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, you think there is? Do you think there is more pheasant down there than I? It was two weeks ago. I saw like six of them standing on the side of the road, hens and roosters. Is it? Was it by a road that starts with a B? Uh huh. Yeah, because there's public land right there.
2: And, and the other one go. with it. Oh, okay. oh, no, not not that one. No, this oh. was. Other bee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha.
3: I haven't seen what I know to be a wild pheasant since I was a kid around here. There are several farms that do raise them. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we got chickens, we might as well raise some pheasants too. And so okay. I think the majority of the birds that you see, I don't I don't know, there's much of a breeding population out in this area. My opinion, enough.
1: see, we used to have pheasants, when I was deer hunting as a kid, I would see pheasants fly in our field. We had them nest in our field and lay eggs in our field. And, uh, but it was a neighbor had released them and tried introducing them into the area. Okay. But I think there's too many predators, too many coyotes, yeah. raccoons, and quite frankly, domestic house cats for the pheasants to really will take Dude, off and thrive yeah. in this area you know i i like possums for eating ticks but the more <laughs> i look
2: into it like they tear up eggs. like ground-dwelling birds the, uh, the nests
0: skunks uh, that the pheasants. Pheasant. Yeah. well and actually it wasn't it i've heard rumors i don't know how true it is about uh, the skunks were getting on the, on the pheasant eggs about the same time they were getting you know the, the population was decreasing because what's, what was that poison they were putting out that was killing everything in like the seventies, eighties? Strychnine? Uh, no. D D T? Yeah, it sounds uh, more familiar. That, so, something like that. They, they were putting on something on for the insecticide? Yeah, they were putting on something for bugs that yeah, yeah, that they, they were eating the bugs, they were dying, blah blah blah. There's a loss of habitat and the skunks were decimating the, the nests. So something about they put they released a bunch of fox to take care of the skunk. I don't know how true that is. I thought those were kinda
2: copacetic animals. I didn't think they must. be I know each they other. smell like
0: each other. That's about all I know.
2: <laughs> That's,
3: I don't know. Yeah, not no enough idea. predator hunters out there. I mean, I hunt. I hunt coyote, and uh, you know we get we get massive population of coyote around us, and and just yeah. you hear them all every night. You know, we had a couple. We had a lot of fog last night, and the a big plane flew over, kind of low, and just lit them all up. You know, it's, yeah. uh, they're just they're just everywhere.
0: Yeah, and yeah. It, it really takes a trapper to get get a hold on them you know i mean unless you're doing some serious predator hunting yeah. Yeah. which i i don't have time to do i don't not that i don't like doing it but man i like to sleep man i don't yeah. want to be out yeah. there in the middle of night yeah. Yeah.
2: but uh that's but, really how you have to do it if you're gonna yeah make an impact i mean i don't know if you do night hunting or if you take them during the day but
3: mostly out of necessity really to manage my farm you know we we've, we've, we raise sheep and okay. so uh, the, oh yeah the, the, wow they uh they really like the sheep so yeah, so
1: I mean, you, you're hunting them though. Do you go out there to trap them, or do you not mess with coyotes too often? I don't mess with coyotes. I I tried trapping them as a kid and wasn't su- successful at it. I think that's a a very specialized skill set takes them that really knows what they're doing because they're not they're they're a pretty smart critter. Yeah, smarter than a lot of people give them credit for. Uh-huh. Um,
0: yeah. And the, and they are a nuisance, especially for farmers, people that have sheep. I mean, if you're trying to manage your deer herd, they're obviously a problem. Pheasants. Um, I don't know, man. The older I get, though, the I, I, the more respect I have for him. I guess. I mean, they just out there busting their ass, man. They're and they're a cool critter, but I, that's not saying I won't draw back on one if he
3: comes within bow range either. You know. Yeah. So, oh so. yeah. Oh I yeah. drop them during gun seasons. Speaking of coyotes and pheasants, yeah. put the two together. Uh, shout out to Deer Creek Hunt Club over in Three Oaks. Ben just finished a beautiful coyote for their mantelpiece there nice. in their lodge and uh, one of the sponsors for the big buck contest also. oh very cool yep. nice. yeah yeah so we're doing some doing some more work for them out there and if anybody wants to get out and hunt farm raised pheasants um they offer that which is it's a beautiful place a to go i've hunted out there yeah i've helped out there
0: with uh they put on a european hunt uh you guys ever been on one of those i haven't oh boy uh <laughs> this is so for those that don't know a uh, european hunt for pheasant is basically they have all the pheasants in a crate and there's a tower And then people are spread out over like two or three fields and they say, okay, here they come. And then you open one crate, grab a pheasant and they actually have a slingshot. (laughs) Slingshot. It goes straight up in the tower, then flies one way or the other. And then it's just sounds like a damn war out there. (laughs) BBs hitting the tower and everything. But um, anyway, it's, it's a good time, but it's beautiful out there. It is. And they put on some really good hunts and even they're. The taxidermy all through their their lodge and whatnot is really great. they feed you yeah and it's pretty reasonable price i mean i think there's only like two maybe three places around here that do those kind of hunts yeah. so yeah
3: i was out in uh southern central south central illinois at mcgraw uh, wildlife and uh, had the opportunity to do a hunt out there and they lay it on thick man i think i shot 12 14 pheasant in like two hours Uh, beautiful place McGraw I think I have 1500 acres um, in their preserve and they they raise all sorts of fish Mm. and uh, so we had lunch there at their lodge and uh, he's like everything on the menu is from the farm so from hydroponic you know salad and uh, it had a walleye you know sandwich all raised there Um, but uh, yeah a lot of a lot of pheasant down there and I think deer creek gets all their birds uh, from down that region too yeah. No. Yep. And do uh, either one of you guys have bird dogs? No. Well, I, I do. You do. Yeah, you do. I've
0: got a lab. A lab? Yeah. Yeah, because you do a lot of duck hunting, right? So they're more I – don't, I don't know.
3: I'm getting into, like, the bird dog thing. I've been kind of interested in bird hunting lately, so yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm getting into duck hunting. I'm by no means uh, deep into it, but you uh, have a few friends from church that uh, invited me out, and I kind of got hooked pretty quick. So this year, I you know, I went from, like, two years ago really not hunting ducks to uh, buying a duck boat and 100 decoys and got the dog and, yeah, kind of getting into it. Dude, I found a spot.
0: So I, I found a spot <laughs> – Never duck hunted before in my life. Never goose hunted. Never duck hunted, and uh, found a spot. And I'm gonna. Act, I still have to ask permission, but if I get it, just looking at that place, they were the way they were stacking up. I'm like, I
3: I get it. I can see why this would be addicting, man. Just, oh yeah. So many species. So beautiful. Such mm-hmm. such interesting you know places you can get into. Get yeah. after them. Ben shot some awesome wood ducks last year. Yeah. He just just <laughs> mounted them up. I think we got some pictures on the site. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah, with the wood duck, uh, I grew up observing. I've
1: never hunted ducks growing up. Uh, my parents owned 13 acres. I won't say where, but uh, they had a swamp out back. And uh, while I was deer hunting, I would always watch the wood ducks out there on the swamp. And uh, so I wanted some for the showroom. And I thought well, I'm going to get into duck hunting, you know. And it's yeah. like, but uh, getting into duck hunting, I I found it was a lot more fun than I ever thought it would be. It is cool. Is it's a lot more action than your average deer hunt you, know, right. you might sit in the woods for hours or all day long and might not see anything you know but if you're duck hunting you're gonna see stuff
0: yeah especially if you're in a good spot like you know like yeah. the one i just found or you know because he people that goose hunt i know a couple guys you know that went up to like uh the todd farm you know and i feel like up there it's either really good or you can sit all day or all morning and not get anything oh well, and
2: that depends when you go to the todd farm is so shot out that early season You're probably going to go up there and take a limit. You go late season, there's so many people that go up. It's like the one public draw. They've got the blinds and stuff set up. So,
0: yeah. And and to Um, me, like listening to the stories, I'm like, man, that just sounds like a long morning, man, of nothing. But then, like the other day, I'm like watching these ducks pile up. I'm like, oh,
1: that would be cool. That'd be a lot of fun. The biggest reason I wanted to get into duck hunting is I wanted to see what. My customers are doing you know what makes them tick and gets them excited out there you. and it's it's good to observe animals in the settings where people are actually harvesting them you know yeah and uh so the hunting aspect of the taxidermy business we're out there in the field we're observing and uh we're observing the wildlife and the the terrain and everything that's about the animal that we're trying to preserve and recreate it's uh I don't know, I think it's a,
3: an important element to taxidermy. To, I think so. Yeah, I Absolutely. Yeah. One of the element I've seen with, with duck hunting, beer trapping, so we get to get our kids involved. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our kids are young, you know, but our oldest are both uh, seven, and uh, it's great. You know, we can get them out in the boat, even if they're not shooting it's a great adventure for them you know setting out decoys um, getting the dog out there getting them shooting getting them used to it it's a lifestyle man yeah all of it all of it i was able to take josh and his son out in the boat and
1: and watch josh's son catch his first fish yeah that was awesome i I love getting kids out in the boat and get them on their first fish you know as a yeah it's a fun thing as it's like a lot of i think there's something that's important is to to remind hunters to get the next generation out there, get them involved, you know, because mm-hmm. yeah. it's just an awesome experience to be in the outdoors. It's an, it's very important.
3: You
0: mm-hmm. know,
1: I mean, you don't, you don't really
0: only have so long when they're so little to take them out with you. I feel like, and then they get yeah. to a certain age and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> But get them out there, get them used to it. You know, and like you said, just bringing them out on an adventure on a boat, shooting ducks. I mean, what kid wouldn't want to do that? You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bring and it's it so much easier than getting them hooked on deer hunting too. You
2: get out yes. there, you get the ducks calling yeah. back, you're doing stuff. Way more trigger time.
0: I feel like I feel like even turkeys. You know, even if you don't shoot one, you feel like you're always no. more, oh, yeah. Especially <laughs> out here, you're. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Josh has a bad taste in his mouth. I'm bitter about <laughs> turkeys right now.
1: But, uh, I'm so, uh, yeah. Uh, I've not bagged my turkey yet, but uh, uh, it's a, that's another awesome hunt.
0: Just working birds is so much. Oh. It, it's frustrating. And it'll
1: piss you right
2: off, but it's fun, man. Oh, it's a lot of fun until they got four toms come into 70 yards and they're just like...
3: <laughs> That's close enough. Yeah, we're just going right. to stay
0: here. There's hens over there. I don't know what the heck that is. So you and a couple others that are kind of new into, newer into turkey hunting, I noticed that uh, the big surprise for them is, so we're going to sit out here all day. You know, because deer hunters <laughs> are used to the two hours in the morning, <laughs> two hours at night. I mean, you weren't so bad, with my brother and Corey, especially, they're like, just tech you know, in a group chat. You're like, so all day, huh? We're gonna give it 15 minutes, and we're gonna go back and get some lunch. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> That's it's a turkey hunting is a really neat deal because you can oh, you can awesome. get into it without a spending a ton on gear which you know that's a big barrier for some people and uh i've even seen it like in my family you know my wife hasn't deer hunted yet she's gone out with me sometimes kind of getting used to it she's shooting she's you know learning scouting she's excellent tracker you know we've we've killed some bucks over the years and it's like hey i'm gonna need some help on this mm-hmm. and uh, so she's she's lit up about it but last year was her first year really getting hard after turkeys and uh so we i set her up on you know, just, I, I figured it would be a, be a, you know, a slam dunk. And, and it was, she, she got in some awesome times. She's, she's been practicing with a box call and successfully called in a bunch of, bunch of birds. That's good. Um, you know, managing the gun and the call and the, and the blind and all that's kind of a new deal for her and mosquitoes. Yeah. Cause I had her out oh. for, for spring turkey this year. <laughs> she comes back and she's got, you know, mosquito bites all around her eyes. And, that, and I'm oh. Like, like, Oh, I didn't give you a bug net. I'm so sorry. Mm. But, but she's, she's excited about fall season this year and yeah so that, that opens tomorrow actually yeah yeah, yeah. I, I know She's <laughs> me. So, yeah.
1: the, the thing I love about turkey hunting is it reminds me of elk hunting when I was 16 16 yeah I was 16 someone invited me out to the Rocky Mountains on a Rocky Mountain elk hunt Man. and it's neat to hear them bugle you're calling them you know and when I got into turkey hunting, it really reminded me of that experience, like a springtime turkey hunt, because they're all goblin. you're calling the them in, in. Yeah, you're yeah. interacting with them. It's exciting. exciting. So really that's, exciting. that's why
0: I've always wanted to bow hunt elk during the rut. So bad. Yeah. And it's just, just to get that experience. And I've always said it's it, you know. awesome. I've never, I've never hunted elk, but I've always kind of looked at turkey hunting like it's like the small game version of like what you just said, like yeah. hunting elk, yeah. you know. Um, a lot of fun a lot of fun good you thing to bring the kids with bow hunt some turkeys there's a challenge <laughs> <Oof>. yeah yeah <laughs> Dude, i tried doing that my first year yeah uh i had so <laughs> i uh, i missed one and then the next day called in another tom and quickly realized my dumb ass put my decoys too f- too f- further than i should have not too far but sure. farther than i should have sure. so it was like a 30 yard poke and um mm-hmm. uh, 25 yards something like that missed all three times had to
3: get down on the tree to get my arrows back and scare the bird away <laughs> well, that's better than my my first shot at a, at a big time i've been on the hunt watching him like every day on cameras and seeing him and uh had my had my first crack at him and buried the arrow into a tree and uh, <laughs> he, yeah. he very happily just wandered off and you know was was gone but so were uh, you trying to do the fancy uh, guillotine shot or were you going for the center body mass? center of mass <laughs> i was using my deer bow i didn't know what i was doing i just there was so many turkeys around my place i'm like oh that'd be easy i'll just go out and shoot one and, <laughs> and uh, it wasn't until the next year that i was successful successful by two so we had there was leftover tags so mm-hmm. that year you could actually get two tags so i was like really optimistic and was able to fill both of them within like less than 30 seconds it was it was a <laughs> shoot and then a draw and then shoot again nice and uh they weren't like trophy birds but man i was proud of them i mean that was that was a that was success to me so yeah i found yeah. out you
0: can buy multiple tags in the fall <clears throat> by accident
3: yeah i've told yeah. the story before
0: but yeah it was scared the crap right out of me there i tell you that uh and you could shoot a head in the fall which is cool yep yep because around here there's think there's too many it's it's you know there's there's a lot of birds but it's hard to get them to work man it's Mm -hmm. hard to get the toms to come in and commit you know
2: well that's the only thing i've ever had success with is fall out there deer hunting right and they just just, happen to walk by yep
0: Mm. well i heard them gobbling the other day yeah which is kind of weird that is weird yeah yeah definitely weird somebody else was on snapchat saying they heard him gobble too but uh anyway so we are closing in an hour so we should probably get the stump Taitheky questions out of the way. This is our trivia. So um, right. Every week I try to every week I try to come up with about five questions to ask Mr. Taitheky. We can we're all playing. But uh, good. Just trying to stump him because, you know, he always knows everything. Well, I don't know much about taxidermy at all. So <laughs> uh, neither did I. <laughs> I did do a lot of reading. And it was frustrating because I was like trying, you know, trying to come up with questions. You're always trying to like Okay, like, is this, how, fuck, how how credible is this? You know, so then you're, you're like, it's just a pain in the butt. So, got some questions. Question one. These are all multiple choice. I think there's one true or false, and I think, yeah, I only did four questions today. Oh. Yeah. He throws a true or false in as kind of a gimme. Sometimes. All right, here we go. The origin of the word taxidermy. Taxes, meaning arrangement. And derma, skin, is A, Spanish, B, Latin, C, Greek, D, Baltic. The origin of the word taxidermy. Greek, Latin. Greek, Latin. Latin. You going with Latin? Oh, yeah. It is Greek. Is it? Yeah. 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 I know that because... That said that on like five different websites I had to look at. (laughs) (laughs) Google said it's true. (laughs) Okay. All right. Question two. Perhaps the oldest surviving piece of taxidermy is found in a church in Italy where a stuffed blank that dates from the 1530s is hanging from a ceiling. What is that animal? Is it A, a tiger, B, a lion, C, a crocodile, D, a stag? hanging from the ceiling of a church in italy interesting (laughs) church in italy you know i
2: i came across this article i want to say it's a lion
0: so you're going with b josh lion another lion
1: i'll be different i'll just go with tiger (laughs) tiger you're all wrong it's a damn crocodile (laughs) (laughs) what? <laughs> <From a> t- <laughs> ch- ceiling Bizarre. of a church <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 hanging uh, yeah hanging
0: from the ceiling of a church somewhere in italy
1: is interesting is
0: a crocodile from the 15 oops, sorry that was pretty loud a, a crocodile from the 1530s wow <laughs> crazy and i saw the pictures it doesn't look that great but doesn't look bad for being that old that's old and why you would hang a crocodile as a Ornament in a church. I don't in know. Italy. In Italy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> none, maybe maybe none it's maybe it. it's by Venice. Just to keep everybody honest, like don't put your hands in the water. <laughs> <laughs> don't pee in the water. Uh, here's your true and false. Human taxidermy, meaning stuffing people, is we, we don't yeah, uh, we, we don't stuff people. No, no pets, right. no people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we don't we don't do that. Uh, human taxidermy is legal around the world. True or false? True. True.
3: I, I True. You can get a license in, in the United States as a mortician. Well Really?
2: I was I feel like it depends <laughs> on it where be, I don't think it would be classified as I don't think mortician taxidermy and Michigan. Is taxidermy. But, what, but they, well now I gotta click on the is,
3: article
0: because I put false because that, that was the information I found. But we're gonna click on this because this is article is from
1: there's, ac- there's actually a a guy that's taxidermied preserved. El
0: Negro? I don't remember. That was the, the most famous the one I found. The guy was named El Negro. He was a, a African man that oh. somebody had stuffed in like the early or, or late eighteen hundreds or something like that. Anyway, they, they they had him in like some museum for a long time and they finally put him they shipped him back to
1: Botswana or wherever and buried him. Mm. No, there is a wealthy individual who donated his his uh fortune to a college, I believe in Europe. I I need to find the article, but he had his body preserved and wanted with the he he donated his wealth with the condition that his body was preserved and put on display during board meetings.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No,
0: no ego (laughs) involved. Look look that one. Google that one. I'm gonna have to. Google that one. That's crazy, dude. It's freaky. (laughs) So this this article I was looking at, and I I pulled this from was uh, backfire.com. And it says, it I is. I feel like n- there's specific laws that say you well, can't. Well, it says, it is not legal to taxidermy, de- taxidermy a human being anywhere in the world. Since there are many laws and regulations surrounding the handling of human remains and organs, it would be illegal for a taxidermist to even attempt the skinning and stuffing of a human
3: being. So we'll stick with the no pets, no people. <laughs> <laughs> but th- th- that's crazy. I wonder you, how you, they handle. get a license for that? That's well, well, he was what I was talking about is embalming. So I mean, that's technically preserving preserving a human body gotcha. is you know embalming, Bleady. but obviously not, ta- taxidermy, not taxidermy. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. It's right. The whole yeah.
2: mummification I, versus taxidermy conversation yeah, we had yeah, earlier, right?
0: Because right, we yeah, in the, in the research trying to find questions, I'm like, you know, what was the earliest taxidermy? Like every, all the all those articles kept going back to like early Egypt and the mummies, but then it was like, no, those
3: weren't those weren't. They were preserving, but it wasn't for the case of, you know, display. Sure, was... sure, sure. Uh, so interesting point that you would bring up taxidermy and, uh, and mummification or, or bodies. I've had multiple. So our building was historically, you know, it was started as a bar, mm-hmm. um, bar restaurant. And it's been in several things over the years. And uh, I've had several old timers come to me and say, oh, yeah, you got that building. You know, uh, they used to store bodies in the cooler. And I'm like, whoa! Excuse me. He's like, yeah, there was no, there was no uh, walk-in freezers or coolers other than the meat lockers, and that just wouldn't be appropriate to put a human body in a meat locker. So they used the uh, the cooler of the bar down in the basement. And I was like, yeah, there, there still is a cooler in the basement. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it was one guy, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, it's probably some old story. And I had like three other old dudes are like, oh yeah, you know they used to put guys in the body, you know, bodies in the, the cooler down there. And I'm like that's interesting that's that's real nice (laughs) whoa Uh, we don't do that anymore (laughs) whoa and come to find out it was a pretty common practice that uh you know there was there wasn't wasn't coolers and stuff but the bar would have a cooler i guess
2: if your city morgue doesn't have it you know yeah yeah. bar has to nobody wants warm
0: beer we're not in germany so so ben just showed me this article it's Jeremy bentham or bentham Died in 1832, but he's still
1: sitting in the university hallway. That is creepy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Look that one up. Look that one (laughs) up. It's uh, creepy, man. You learn all kinds of weird stuff being involved in taxidermy. Oh, I bet. I bet. All right. Last question. The oldest
0: existing stuffed bird belongs to Frances Stewart, the Duchess of Richmond. She had requested that the bird be preserved after its death in 1702. What was the kind of bird that she had stuffed. A. A African gay, <laughs> African grey parrot. B. A trumpeter swan. C. A blue footed booby. D a raven. You want me to read that again? Hmm.
1: Yeah, read it again.
0: So she had a bird stuffed after its death in seventeen oh two. What kind of bird was it? African African grey parrot? A trumpeter swan? A blue footed booby? Or a raven? I'm going to go with an African gray parrot.
1: Gray parrot. I'm going to go with the trumpeter swan.
0: Two out of three. It was the gray ah. parrot, man. I know, but this, this, <laughs> we are just talking about a long
3: time yeah. and a lot of people royalty yeah. keep them as pets. Uh, they yeah. live a long time, really? Yeah. Like 120, 130
2: years. Is that so? You wow. have to put them in a will. Yeah. yeah. To legally own a parrot in the United States, it has to be in a will to someone else. An African gray parrot? I, all parrots live a long time. I don't Grey know parrots, specifically.
3: parrots, they all live really long time. Yeah. That is crazy. I didn't know that. They
0: will outlive you unless they're around my truck. <laughs> Watch out, peacocks. <laughs> the, the only experience I have with birds is my, my big brother had one when he was like 15. It died, and my parents were trying. They went to the pet store and got another one and replaced it before. <laughs> 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 and then, it, and then the, the classic line, he came out the next day because the bird's name was Elvis. He came out, he's like, dad, dad. Elvis change colors. Yeah. <laughs> Different bird, buddy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what's the, what's before we close this thing up? I got to ask, what's the craziest request? Oh, I
3: know. Oh. We had somebody ask about a restoration piece, and uh, they said, "So we have a Bengal tiger." what yeah a, a what? tiger a tiger rug somebody your bearskin rug and say could, mm-hmm. could you restore a, a tiger rug there's a lot of provenance that has to be oh, it's presented it is it is complicated because they're obviously you can't hunt them anymore and they say oh we got the documentation um you know it was shot during this period in india um, we got the hunting licenses and all this stuff and like we're not quite ready to, you know, to take that on. There's a few elements of restoration work that are are concerning. A lot of the chemicals that were used um, mm-hmm. then are hazardous, known to be hazardous even to humans. So if we're deconstructing oh. something, um, a lot of those chemicals could be dangerous. Ars- arsenic things, but... was a very
1: popular one to use back in the day. I think Theodore so Roosevelt used arsenic when he did. Like I read a book about Theodore Roosevelt when he was a kid. He had the Roosevelt Museum of Natural history in his bedroom was where he started it. Where yeah, it, and he dabbled in taxidermy, but he always used arsenic, and that's what a lot of the early taxidermists used. So you see these really old mounts at garage sales. Make sure you handle those carefully. The ones that look you don't all yellow and brittle in that powder. Yeah, those old yellow brittle Nicotine ones,
3: stain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. some some of there the could be arsenic in those. Yeah, really, I, didn't, I definitely didn't know that. Yeah, that was a strange request. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's definitely weird. Bengal tiger, that would be pretty cool though. It would be. What's like uh, yeah. Andrew Rockwell, when he was in here, said he's, he, when he was in Africa, bought a giraffe hide. Nice. And I said, where, the, I mean, where the hell are you going to put a
2: giraffe hide, dude? That's a yeah, he also said he <laughs> has, cool. what, like a a 10 foot crocodile or alligator that he's getting stuffed for his dining room table? Mm hmm. To go, like, it's a big table.
0: Under it. That's what happens when you're a single engineer. Money <laughs> <laughs> burn. Right. All right, man, you guys got anything else you want to talk about before we close this thing up? No, we're excited about
3: the hunting season. Glad to be on. Good to meet you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Check out the website,
1: LegacyMountainTaxidermy.com. And you guys are located in Galeen, Michigan, right? We We are. We are.
3: Right Right on Cleveland Avenue, Main Street.
1: Right. All right.
0: All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for coming out, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, that is a wrap. So one thing Ben forgot to mention that he wanted us to talk about, uh, he is actually trained on extracting lymph nodes from deer to send into the DNR for... um cwd testing so if you're in the southwestern michigan indiana area and want to have your deer tested stop in see ben next episode we got tj brewbaker coming in from networking the outdoors tj was the one that was in here with chris from the michiana monsters big buck contest episode he is a western hunting consultant that's his side gig uh so we're gonna bring him in here and talk about the point systems out west and how to work them and uh yeah keep your ears to the ground for that As always, all music and artwork is done by the Shane Yoder from PutThemInASong.com on the Root Note Podcast. All editing is done by me, Brent Ruff. And this episode is brought to you by Ruff Custom Carpentry. Look me up on Facebook, send me a message, and let's build you a deer blind. Let's go. All right, everybody, we'll talk to you next time.